the mysteries of Gravity Falls creep into the non-animated world. This is the Gravity Bros Podcast! I'm Alec. I am joined by a person who, if he were candy, would definitely not be at the bottom of the bowl. That is my brother Lucas. Oh, what a sweet thing to say. I actually have a very complicated philosophy on uh, loser candy that we're going to get into later today. Ah, very good. Okay. So this episode, if you couldn't tell by my spooky intro, is the Gravity Falls Halloween special, which is also known as Summerween because, of course, Gravity Falls, the show, takes place over a summer camp. So for them to do a Halloween episode, they sort of had to squint and make it work. And and just, I'm glad you said it that way, because if it wasn't already clear that they were squinting and making it work, the intro to this episode makes it pretty freaking obvious. Because Grunkle Stan literally pulls out a calendar in the first couple seconds and is just like, hey, it's Summerween! And, and Dipper literally calls him out. He's like, you have that calendar in your pocket all the time? Yeah, and, and to me, was- I thought that was a joke on making fun of the concept of them doing this. And do you know what's funny about that, too? That calendar shows a date, June 22nd, which is not that far from when this episode is being recorded and will be posted. Uh, yeah. So we are kind of celebrating Summerween right now in this month of June. So it's actually sure. kind of the perfect time to do it. You know, I didn't need an excuse to go Halloween, uh, and now I have one. So let's go. Totally. Uh, Lucas, before we get to the full recap, I do want to just really quickly talk about iTunes reviews really quick. So usually I mention this at the very end, and it's possible that some people have tuned out. Um, but I actually have two iTunes reviews. It's our very first ones. and No I promised, way! Yeah, I promised that I would read them on the podcast. Uh, so this first one is from Sevilla Grace. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, this is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Gravity Falls is such an amazing show, and to hear the two bros discuss it in such a passionate and thoughtful way is phenomenal. Y'all are hilarious and so entertaining. Keep up the great work. God bless. Aw. Yeah. That makes and my the other so happy. I know. The other one is titled Thoughtful and Fun. I love Alec and Lucas from their YouTube channel, and this podcast is a blast to listen to. It's fun to hear their humor and academic backgrounds come together through the lens of one of the best cartoons ever, Gravity Falls. Wow, someone knows we have academic backgrounds. That makes me so happy, too. Yeah. Oh, and that one was Cartoon <laughs> Maniac 78. So, uh, yes, th- nice. thanks to both of you. Now, normally when we get these, I am going to read them at the end of the show, but I wanted to use this opportunity uh, to let people know how important those actually would be for our channel. Because the thing is, right now, right, when you search Gravity Falls into the Apple podcast world, um, we are not among the first five that show up, but if we were, it would be amazing to help get a bunch of brand new listeners. So that's why when the iTunes reviews come up, they help bounce us up. In fact, we weren't even on the first page until those two came in. So extra thank you to those people. If, uh, you know, we have quite a few, uh, regular listeners of this podcast. If it is easy enough for you and now's a good time to pause, like it would mean the world to us if you were able to provide these reviews. And this is the last time I'm going to slam it home. I promise. I just wanted to do it at least one time, uh, and thank the people who were the first couple to do it. Um, Sweet. And uh, I, I'm, I, I hope those are five. I'm assuming they're five star. I imagine how funny it would be if it's like, oh, by the way, those are both one star reviews. Yeah. Well, honestly, if they're less than five, I, I have to be honest. I probably won't read them on the show. I, I have to hold that carrot over people just a little bit. Unless they're like really nice and they accidentally don't accidentally click one, though. Please do five. It helps. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
All right, dude, let's talk about Summerween. So we have an interesting history with this episode because we actually covered it on our YouTube channel the one time we did some Gravity Falls coverage. Oof, man, extension of the plug for our own content. That was genuinely accidental. <laughs> yeah, well, I honestly, for me, I'm not even thinking about it as a plug so much as we have a very recent experience with this. And before mm -hmm. re-watching the show now, it was... This may not be the same for you, but for me, it was the most recent episode I had seen before we went back on this venture. So, uh, you know, it was very fresh in my mind, and it was very fun to re-watch uh, so recently because I immediately remembered everything that we kind of already said about that first time. And I had, I think, maybe some new takeaways that I didn't have the first time we talked about it. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you about that very thing, because I definitely, when I was taking my notes, found myself following the same thought patterns that I did the first time I took notes when we covered it on the show. So I was like, oh, okay, this this one, but I did think of some things differently, so I'm still excited to talk about it. I, there's, a, there's something about this episode that makes me not love it as much as I used to, and something that makes me love it more than I used to. Whoa, okay. Hold on to those things and do not leave that without resolution because I'm yeah. fascinated. Yeah. Um, let me tell you one thing that I loved. I think that this is my favorite cold open so far in the entire series because yeah. we get these beats so quickly. First, instantly, we are at the Summerween Superstore, which is a very obvious reference to Spirit Halloweens, which pop up in all of these random stores across the country. Yeah, and and... I love that, first of all, that that's what they do for, is just go to a spirit of Halloween store. We don't, like, that's, it's not a haunted house. There's no creepy monster or anything. It's literally the Halloween store. And I love that because it's accurate, you know? <laughs> oh, it is. And the best part is even the inside of the store, immediately, you know exactly where you are. It's a spirit Halloween because... It's got the little candy bowl with the skull that talks to you when you press the button, which seems really cool for the money, but is definitely a very cheap thing to make in actuality. And making it yourself is cooler. So do that. Make it yourself. It's fun. It's worth it. All right. Well, I'm not an electrician, so there's no way I'm actually going to be able to you, make you it. Just, you just use a real hand and like pay someone to be under a table all night and really mess with people. Okay, see, that's a lot more fun, but also a lot more scary, and I... Yeah! Okay, I see, Grunkle Stan was my spirit animal in this episode. I can't wait to get to his plotline. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> speaking of Stan, him and the entire Pines family just wreak havoc inside this Halloween store during the cold open. It's so quick, it's so fun. Um, the clerk calls to get the Pines family ejected, but... <laughs> Stan, in hilarious fashion, just says, not today, and throws a literal smoke bomb. He throws an actual smoke bomb. Yeah, and they make their getaway, you know, after Seuss has been playing with this skull bowl that I talked about and won't stop leaving it alone, and hey, Mabel and Dipper hey. are just with their carts. You stop making these skulls so hilarious, I'll stop punching them. <laughs> it was slightly inaccurate, but that's the gist of the joke. Seuss shines so much in this episode as well. Yeah. Oh. The, the character of the episode was so hard for me on this one. So difficult. Yes. Me too for a bunch of different reasons. Same. Um, I, I'll bet we're going to have a similar take on one thing that I'm interested in, but I'm I, so ahead of myself. Gosh. I think, yeah, there's a chance. I think that mine is going to be a little bit unconventional, so we'll see. Mm. Uh, 
But when we watched this episode the first time last year, which actually we watched it for part of Halloween month that we were doing, um, I sort of walked away feeling like this is an amazing first episode to show people, which I had the same takeaway this time. I think that this is such a good intro episode. It doesn't spoil major things about the plot, but it's so freaking fun. Um, But I also loved it way more this time. Uh, It gave me the fun that, I didn't, you know, maybe I was taking too many notes last time and I miss how actually just like genuinely fun this was and how it brought me back to all of these different Halloween cartoons of our era, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, one thing for sure is that it is a very general all around good Gravity Falls episode. I think that that's something that you hit with the nail on the head. It's very balanced. You know, we get, a, we get character development from our main cast. We get the metaphysical plot line. You know, not too much with the overarching plot of the show, but I would say that the, like, vibe is still there, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, the mystery shack is decorated. Uh, We get this after the theme song plays, and I I already love that, you know? Quintessential Halloween episode, you've got the decorated location. Um, Dipper and Mabel are getting stoked for trick-or-treating, but... Seuss tells them about the summer ween trickster who goes door to door and eats children who lack spirit. Uh, definitely the kind of thing that a teenager would have told us as kids to try to scare us. Something like okay, that. but also, like, what a great idea, you know? That's such a good idea for a Halloween, like, monster. That's so good! It's, I feel like so many creepy Halloween things end up being so boring because it's just, like, a generic monster. But, like... And and we'll we'll get more into what this monster really is by the end too. It's such a phenomenal design, so flipping creepy. And they and they do it well. Like the horror element of Seuss building it up with this story. It's a good introduction. And the music, it's it's good. I like yeah, it. Yeah, and the ghost story hits, you know. I, I think that it is a clever concept for one. And Dipper checks the candy bowl. It's filled with candy that no one likes, so he starts throwing it away. Foreshadow, foreshadow. But Stan is apparently going to use it to give away to trick-or-treaters. So it always had a purpose. Like, Grunkle Stan yeah. being the cheapskate that he is. It just, like, it's all the worst candy to give out. Yeah. He has the loser candy intentionally to give to people for free. Yes. And I normally I would say that Stan is the kind of person that would have just turned all his lights out, put on, like, a sign that said, no candy, and not have to pay for any of that, right? Except... Stan has a deeper motivation because he's more yes. complex than just money. He loves a good prank. He's a man of theatrics, as am I. And I love it. I love his goal for the whole episode is essentially to be the person at home to give candy to trick-or-treaters, but not really to give them candy to scare the living daylights out of them. I don't think he actually effectively gives out a single piece of candy through the whole episode. Ooh, that's interesting. Oh, man. Could somebody check that and see and just let me know in the Discord if he actually gave out a single piece of candy? I'm, like, madly curious. He he has the two bags at the end that he shares with his family, if you count that. But other than that, no. No, he definitely does not. I'm sure. Okay, well... (laughs) Actually, I don't want to say that. He might have given some to those first people that he scared. Listen, dude, I was sure last week that uh, the shrink grow ray didn't work on inanimate objects because the author told us so. But Tess in the Discord reminded me that they u- uh, Dipper used it on the chess pawn piece. So 
Listen, but she had the best she had the best theory ever though. That means that the pawn is alive and I'm running with that <laughs> over anything else. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, that's right. It was an inconsistent writing. The pawn was alive. I I sure. I I, I choose to live in that world. Same. So, Robbie and Wendy come to the door. Uh, Dipper doesn't want to admit that he's trick-or-treating because Wendy sort of implies that it's sort of like a childish thing to do. And if Um, it wasn't clear what part of the story I didn't like that made me not like this episode as much as I used to, if you you didn't already know from when I said that, this is the reason. Because I forget that this is actually one of the worst that Dipper gets with this whole thing. And after he's already had so many experiences that he should have learned from at this point. So it makes it worse even, you know? Yeah, I can understand that. But he still has kind of a one-track mind through the whole thing. And even though he has, like, blips of uh, not being the worst, I I think that the core Dipper, who is just obsessed with Wendy and can't help himself, is always there, at least, you know, through a very large chunk of the story. You You know what this episode reminded me of? This episode reminded me of the one where they break into the convenience store with the ghosts. Okay. In terms of pacing, in terms of pacing is why I think that. Because remember, it mirrors how I felt because I was annoyed with how Dipper was at the beginning. But then the episode starts getting so interesting and so good that you kind of forget about the annoying Dipper plot line with Wendy, you know? Sure, and I feel like we beat this drum a lot already, where, you know, you don't like the Dipper-Wendy plot, and I sort of feel like sometimes it can make for good episodes, and I think this is another example of it, because the way that the plot works, I do think, like, the mechanisms of it are part of what make it for such a strong episode, so even though the Dipper-Wendy thing is there, I think that Dipper's ambivalence to the whole thing is very interesting, and I think it adds stakes to the danger that they find themselves in later in the episode. The only thing that I wish was... Di- I, I like every part... Because the thing is, I agree with you. The stakes of why Dipper's doing it makes sense. But the one thing that that I just wish was different was that the reason that he wanted to not trick-or-treat... Because it's kind of a getting older thing, you know? And I think that the heart of that is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, it's getting older and, and you know, Mabel's experience with, you know, having these special Halloweens with him while they're still kids and going trick-or-treating and stuff. But the thing is, that is overshadowed by the fact that Dipper is kind of cares about that, but it's more, it's less about that for him and more about just proving himself to Wendy, which actually doesn't even match the theme of what they're talking about, you know? Um, yeah, I kind of understand you, but I still think that the way that they write it makes sense thematically and story-wise to get the plot progression that we need to get where we end up. Well, sure. <laughs> we're, we're, we're jumping a little bit ahead because... Wendy invites him to a party, but it's at nine o'clock. And that is going to interfere with trick-or-treating. So back at the shack, Grenda and Candy are there for trick-or-treating, which this is actually the first time that we see them since Mabel met them in the beginning. Which is a testament to how awesome their character is, because I didn't remember that. When I saw that, I'm like, is this actually the first time we've seen them since then? And they're such good characters that, honestly, they feel like they're already so part of the show and so fleshed out, despite how little screen time they've had. I was shocked to five, to remember, to see that this was the second time we've seen them, honestly. Oh yeah, me too. It, I, I didn't even think about it until after the episode, if I'm being honest with you. I was like, whoa, is that the second 
time we saw that that's so strange and when we watched this on youtube you know we just jumped into an episode i would have sworn that there were four or five more before this same Um, same because they immediately feel so like naturally part of the show they do so yeah great episode for grenda and candy here all the way through um definitely so as they are getting set up uh they ask if waddles can come Really adorable moment where Mabel says, no, he's got a business meeting. And Waddles just comes up dressed in a little business suit. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I yeah. We, we love Waddles. Bet you have a TikTok too. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Listen, that is a cute thing. I did expect that to be like a joke and then Waddles <laughs> did come with them, which did not end up being the case. And I could have used more Waddles in a business suit. So, but he served his own I, purpose. Hey, you get you get what you want for the end credits. That's scene. true. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> Dipper comes down the stairs in no costume because he's just gonna pretend to be sick as a way to get to this party, which I know you probably hate. Yeah, super lame. I'm like, all right, let's just get to the monster. So can we get to the monster? Can we skip over the whole them being, you know? Yeah, come on, Dipper, tough it through. You guys know what happens, okay? Let's yeah, get to the monster. well, because Mabel says, "Where's your summer ween spirit?" And that's a little. Not because we remember Sue's talking about the summer me- summer ween trickster and how he comes after the kids without the spirit, and we get a knock on the door, and we get the creepiest voice, the creepiest voice. Does he say trick or treat? I think he says trick or treat. Ooh, I didn't write down specifically what trick he said. I just remember it being so I didn't creepy. Uh, fun fact from Journal Three, which I thought was very funny. Grenda apparently says that the trickster sounds super hot voice specifically oh my god she's not wrong such a fun character moment that i wish was in the episode instead of the text but it still made me laugh so hard oh my god could you imagine Greta being like you know that voice is actually kind of hot that would have been so funny dude to have in the middle of that show oh man i'm writing that in my head that was written in the warehouse i mean it's canonical so we we can we can live with the reality Uh, we know she said it (laughs) Yeah, there we go. I love it. Yeah. The trickster design also I want to highlight because the trickster's face has this like, it's this yellow mask and this kind of like, like, um, bulgy black neck with a witch hat. He's really tall with skinny arms and it's just such a phenomenally creepy design. It's like a mixture of like pumpkin head and the kid from trick or treat and like all of these great horror movie Halloween classics. It's an incredible design. If you're somebody who listens to us, but doesn't watch along with the show, uh, please Google image this character, the summer ween Twix, summer ween trickster. Heh, there's no Twix in there. Twix are <laughs> Oh, the Twixster. That's a total opportunity too. Uh, is now a time that I can actually just casually burst into my rant about loser candy? Or sh- no, that's that's comes for the end. No, I'm waiting. I'm saving okay. it. Just kidding. Everybody, stay tuned. There's a loser candy. But you know what? Coming. It's important. I, it's integral. I am philosophy. curious about your favorite candy because mine happens to be Twix for real. Oh, see, well, I don't eat dairy, so like, I'll, what what my actual favorite candy is, I haven't actually had in like eight years. Oh, that's so you sad. Know? What was it? I used to like Hershey's cookies. And oh, cream. those are good. And actually, they don't even have dairy in it. They have palm oil, and that destroys the environment. Fun fact. At least the way they do it. Oh, yeah. So you talked about being dairy-free last week. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned uh, that it was for environmental reasons, but I just wanted to highlight that and say I am proud of you. Well, it starts for environmental reasons, but then your body stops 
being able to digest it. So then people are like, oh, just cheat. It's for memories. It's like, no, 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 no. It sucks. It's, a, it's an allergy at a certain point after that, too. All right. <laughs> so. Well, uh, I'm sorry that you can't eat your favorite Halloween candy anymore. And that I uh, dampened okay. the mood here. Uh, but Dipper does not believe that the trickster is anything other than just like an older adult wait, dressing I, up I, as a scary character to try wait, to scare kids. Wait, wait. I still have a favorite new candy. I'm so sorry. What, what's your favorite new candy? You're going to think it's really silly. I will. I'm sure. Because it's, and this is going to tie into my rant later. And I'm not going to say it's like, this is, it's, it's favorite in a way, in a, in the particular way that I enjoy it. It's my favorite. I don't eat it all the time. I don't actually like candy all that much. So I don't really eat that much candy ever anyway. Candy corn. Oh, I think candy corn's underrated. A lot of people hate it, but it's very yeah. addictive. I, I've loved, we always had it on our little like ghost bowl, you know, growing up. Yeah. There was always a full thing of it. And I would eat that for dinner, dude. I would literally just go and get handfuls of that candy corn and eat so much of it. I remember that mom was so concerned, but she didn't stop She's buying like, it. Where did all of the candy? No, she didn't. <laughs> I kept eating it. Ah, I love it, man. Okay. So the trickster. Dipper thinks the trickster is just an adult uh, who's like playing a prank or something. Fair thought, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's the first thing that I would think, even if you are in Gravity Falls, Oregon. Which would probably scare me even more. Oh, God, me too. I've said before, <laughs> like, not on the show, but I'm more afraid of fake ghosts than real ghosts. Like, I would rather be in a haunted hotel than watch a horror movie. There's just something about the knowledge that somebody is going out of their way to terrify me that is more scary than the prospective undead that might be perfectly innocent. You know what's funny? I've seen my fair share of metaphysical business, and people have always scared me more than anything crazy that I've seen. So I still think people are crazier and scarier than anything else that you're going to deal with. Personally. Yeah, I mean, if somebody is going to this kind of an effort, who even knows what is up with them? Uh, I mean, listen, they have a reason to be threatened regardless, as we find out, because this kid Gordy just comes up. To, to the door. A trick-or-treater. A casual trick-or-treater. He maybe like six years old. Yeah, probably six. My name is Gordy. And what happens, Lucas? Gordy gets eaten. He gets eaten. The, the trickster picks him up with his hand. His jaw unhinges and you see all of these teeth. And he swallows the child whole. And one thing that I said on the YouTube show when we covered this originally. If you're a parent and you're kid watching that with your kid, and you don't finish the episode, which, sorry, spoiler, the kid does come back later, because obviously it's a Disney show still, they're not just going to kill him. But if you didn't finish the episode, you would not know that. That kid would be dead in your head. And I love that. That makes me happy. And I think originally, that's how it would have been written if it wasn't for Disney. And then, <laughs> he tells Dipper that they have to collect... 500 pieces of candy for him to live. And now, to be, he does not know what the reason is. I think at this point, Dipper probably assumes that it has to do with Halloween spirit. Um, but all, yeah. all he knows is that the trickster says, you must trick or treat or die. Great line. Great line. That is also one that I wrote. And I like that also because like the stakes actually are they will die right now. And low-key, that's not been the stakes most of this show. I love that it is such a specific number. It's like you have to find exactly 500 pieces. Uh, 
again, very Gravity Falls. You have this uh, mechanism that gets created for them to eventually win in the end or do whatever they need to do. And it's just so hilariously exact and specific. He also has until the last jack-o'-lantern gets blown out, which is a timing mechanism that also makes it really cool because you have a pace, you know? There's like an end date that they need to worry about. Ah, jack-o'-melon in this world. That's right. Yeah, I made that mistake on the YouTube show and also was salty and didn't care. (laughs) Nice. Well, uh, (laughs) the great thing is that (laughs) Mabel, despite her brother being in danger of potentially dying, she's excited because now he has to trick-or-treat, huh? Yeah, Dipper's like, do you know what this means? She's like, yeah, you have to go trick-or-treating now. And I'm not gonna lie, I would have had that perspective too. I'd be like, hey, I mean, it just kind of, I was gonna do this anyway. I wanted 500 pieces of candy. Honestly, these aren't even that conflicting of plans that I had for the day. Just seems a little scary now. Yeah, (laughs) but they do get Seuss involved. uh, And he knows that they are in crazy, monstrous trouble, as he says. And Mabel rallies the whole group. So it's her, Seuss, Grenda, Candy, and Dipper. They're going to be on a mission to try to get these 500 pieces of candy. Dipper still kind of wants to bail in this moment, which is insane to me. Yeah. Like, when you, I, I will never forget that scene where he is genuinely considering, like, oh, well, maybe we'll all just die then? Is that it? Is that the thought process? Like, or am I actually just that horny of a youth that I'm willing to kill everybody just to freaking chase an older person that I shouldn't be chasing in the first place? Christ! Go home, kid! (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) This has been a rant by Lucas Hester, everybody. Uh, Remember the timestamp? We are recording in about 26 minutes, but I'm sure that I will have cut some more so who even knows what the timestamp is now? This child annoys me sometimes, I swear. And you know, the montage of them getting the candy is pretty decent, right? Did you say the montage? Yeah, the montage. Okay, a montage. But you said it like, montage. The montage. The montage. Wow, like, mm. oh, it's oh. like someone here is a professor of diction. I barely know what that word means, so definitely not. Anyway, <laughs> St- stick to sociology, Buster. Thanks. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that that is a definite good idea. <laughs> Let's use this opportunity to talk about Grunkle Stan. But because before we go trick or treating with everybody, oh yeah, that's right. We get some kids coming to the door and knocking on the door of the mystery shack. And you know, I'll bet you, Alec and I are not going to talk a lot about this B plot most for the most of this episode. Not because it's not interesting, but because it is the same shtick and the other thing is so interesting. But this is such a phenomenal B-plot with Grunkle Stan just trying to scare the living daylights out of these kids. So we get a couple trick-or-treaters that show up and Grunkle's like, all right, let's, let's do this. And he has this like gag set up where as he's about to give them candy, again, I don't remember if he actually gives them candy. I hope he doesn't because that would be funny. He fakes, like, this almost heart attack-looking thing, and then his face melts away, and there's just a skeleton left over, right? And it scares most of the kids, but two of them stick behind. And the rest of the B-plot is these two two kids are, like, you know, like, modern kids. You know, they've, like, seen scary movies on their phones, and, like, the stuff that you see on the internet as a kid is so much more horrifying than like anything that we grew up with or that Grunkle Stan grew up with for sure, you know? So 
these two kids are not scared by anything, and the whole bit is just Grunkle Stan trying to scare them, and it's phenomenal. I yeah. love it so much. They say that they've watched horror movies since they were two, which I think I'm like, yeah, that's actually pretty normal, probably for many kids nowadays. Oh yeah, for sure. I remember kids in like middle school saying, oh yeah, I watched Saw, and I'm like, holy sh- like I've I've still never watched Saw, nor will I. I could never. And like these are such young kids, so um, very believable, I will say. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that there are kids that would genuinely be like, okay, come on, man, like you 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 did some theater trick to try to scare us on Halloween. Are you kidding me? Like, oh my gosh, dude, you need to like break into my apartment at three o'clock in the morning in the middle, like in a random day. That's how you can scare me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and later he tries to scare them. This is where we get Waddles again by having Waddles pop out of his chest like the scene from Alien. And that doesn't get him either. I mean, that wouldn't scare me either. I'd laugh my ass off for sure. Yeah. I mean, it is super funny. I did. I did. Yeah. But I, I still appreciate Grunkle Stan going with these classic tactics because it's so much more fun. Like, I, like he went with an alien reference. He's dressed as a vampire. Stellar costume, by the way. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. This is some intentional writing that he is dressing the way that probably an adult of his age would dress for Halloween and use the references yeah, if they were really into it, of course, yeah. He's he's dressed as Bella Lugosi vampire, specifically. He's, he doesn't have sparkles on his cheeks. It's different. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's so good. And then what's funny to me is also the kids end up scaring him just by showing him a video. And do you have you ever been traumatized by this? Because I distinctly remember in middle school... The Rainbow Road. I'll never forget it. Frustrating video that the <laughs> kids would show to each other. It's like, oh yeah, it's this really nice, serene setting, and then like a despicable <laughs> monster just jumps up. They play with yeah, that in the episode. It's a jump scare. Yeah, Alex still really tilted. Clearly, <laughs> it honestly makes me really mad that anybody would do that. To be honest, if I could like go on a very serious rant that is almost not even jokey. Um, oh my gosh, dude! No, because. I think doing that to somebody and priming them for something that's supposed to be beautiful and then just, like, attacking them with something horrible is a genuinely, like, mean and verging on evil thing to do. I think... <laughs> verging on evil? Oh, my gosh. You're, like, attacking somebody uh, without their hey. consent. It's basically... Honestly, I felt like I got punched. Like, it hey, basically, man. I felt attacked, I, literally, I, like, I, violently I, attacked. I think it'd be evil to do to you, but I don't think it'd be evil to do to someone like me. <laughs> All right, well... <laughs> Some people, that's... Alec, I, for, I, I think that that's a funny prank for, for people with a tolerance for it, you know? All right, well, I guess know your audience, but I, what if yeah, you don't def- know your audience? Definit- if you... Uh, you know what? As a marketing manager, I don't have any business for people who don't know about the answer to that question. Well, all right, Mr. Degree... <laughs> All I'm saying, no, never show me anything that's going to scare me, at least not without, like, proper warning that I'm supposed to be watching something scary. Well, it's like, when it comes to know your audience, it's like, yeah, dude, there's some things you shouldn't joke around about around certain people. There's some, you know, like, trauma-sensitive things for a million different things. There's so many common things that you could be traumatized about that people probably should think about before introducing X topic, you know? Yeah. But, the thing is, like, like, so, you know, I mean, if you're the kind of person who's going to walk around scaring the people with zombie videos, that's kind of on you, you know? 
Yeah, pro- probably. Can, can we like harshly say, please don't do that to strangers? Good call. To strangers? <laughs> I was a stranger, dude. Basically, I didn't get shown <laughs> this by a friend. I got shown this by a random really? kid who was just going around showing it to people. <laughs> Stop I'm sorry. That's so funny to me. Oh my god, it's not. I was traumatized by. Well, that's your. Why did you look at a video that a stranger walked up to you and showed? I was also a very gullible child and still kind of. Well, see, I've learned real young to not look at. Like, if somebody walks up and says, hey, look at this or do this, literally, if an elementary schooler asks me to do something, the answer is no. It doesn't matter what it is. The answer is no. I learned this so young. This is why I'm such a selfless person. Uh, I guess I trust easy. Um, anyway, actually, let's just go ahead and wrap up how the B-plot ends, because, uh, I think we're all, we've already gotten through two of the scenes, right? So, ultimately, um, the kids come back to trick-or-treat, but the door is, like, ajar, I think, and, uh, they decide to walk into the house. Wow, that's some real spooky stuff, man. The door straight up turned into a jar and they stepped right over it? That is nuts. All right, you can have it. You can have that one. All right, uh, yeah, all right, all right, we'll move on. So, uh, Grunkle stands in the bathroom and he gets naked and it scares the kids. Yeah, he now, wins. the show makes it seem like he's naked and gives us the belief of that for, like, five seconds, but then he walks back outside and he has, like, I think, like, a swimsuit or a towel on or something, so. Yeah. I-, I know what they wrote. He was naked. He put that on in that cutscene. Yes, he, yeah, I mean, it's they, very clear. They, yeah what the creators intended for the, for the scare moment to be. And I think it comes through. Absolutely. Listen, those kids invaded his house for the record without any oh, kind yeah. of, like they didn't knock. I don't think, or if they no. did, they just walked well, I mean, right in. They, they did. They did not. It's a trick or treat. Okay, sure. Well, he wasn't trying to scare them though. He was just like going about his business. So <laughs> that's a good point. They did well, just break in. Yeah. Ultimately he was just like, oh, what happened? Oh, are the kids scared now? Okay, sweet. And then they dropped behind all the candy, which as you said earlier, he ends up saving for the kids, which is kind yes, of sweet. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's literally sweet. He gets all the candy for them. Man, I'm actually starting to think that I want some candy after this conversation. Oh, okay. You get yourself some candy corn. I know that your options are limited, so. No, I'm probably going to get ice cream. Oh, nice. Okay cashew milk ice cream specifically <laughs> it's phenomenal so the trick-or-treat sequence um i want to mention we get some flair from some of the townspeople here just on and off like the cops dresses each other which is adorable first off manly dan he's a viking toby determined he scares the kids uh without a mask because they think he's wearing a mask which is kind of mean uh but i genuinely Ridiculous. don't think they realized it and then he puts on a real mask they're like oh, not as scary Silly. Oh, and we see Lazy Susan, and she's dressed as a uh, ball of yarn with the cats around her, and I didn't actually notice that until this watch around, and I thought that was really funny. Yes, it is very funny and on brand for her character. Uh, Also on brand is that she gives out black licorice and circus peanuts, which are considered, like, some real bad candy. Wow. And I gotta say, I really agree with both of those especially. Not just the candy. I like licorice black licorice yeah sure i can i like black licorice all right uh my fiance also loves black licorice and i always uh, argue with her about it (laughs) wow but i oh gosh hey man i i have a rant on are are we are we going to my rant on loser candy is this the moment no still not yet we're gonna tease it one more time and make people stick around so so (laughs) pent up 
No, and look, Lazy Susan only gives them one piece each because Dipper really sucks and just shows absolutely no interest because she's trying, oh, kids, it's Halloween and you're having fun. Um, and Dipper is just... Well, he doesn't, he doesn't put on the costume is really the thing. Yeah, I guess and that's then... mostly it. The point is, Dipper puts the costume back on so that they can do better with the candy thing. And then he and Mabel do a twin dance, do the twin dance, obviously, to try to get the candy so that they don't die. Thank God, Dipper. Thank God you decided to not die. And okay, good job. We're making it. Um, and uh, there's this like really tough looking pirate guy who answers the door. And then Dipper and Mabel are just like, do their cute little dance. And the pirate just smiles and a single tear falls from his eye. And it's so funny. It's just so well animated and uh, obviously does the job of proving that Dipper does in fact need the costume. And candy montage. Uh, or rather, a candy montage, as Lucas yeah, would say. Yeah, the same montage that I said earlier, but Alec went back in time. Yeah, yeah, yes, the montage. Hmm. You you know it's a French word. You're the one saying it incorrectly. It could be. I don't know. Montage. You think that's in? You think that came from the UK, I, brother? I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not very good at diction. Yeah, you're, you're not. You're not a linguist. So that wasn't your subsection of sociology. Definitely not. I could write a paper, but I don't know where any of the words came from hopefully it was at least english or what any of the words are <laughs> well maybe not then <laughs> um so anyway it seems like this went really well they're excited they have all of their candy it looks like they're actually going to be able to get the candy so that the trickster doesn't eat them alive but oh unless dipper's literally the worst and tries to get everybody freaking killed. Oh no, oh no, Wendy's driving by. Let me just take off my costume and hide everything, all the candy, so that, you know, hide behind this bush, you know? And and then guess what? All the candy gets... You know what happens. You know what happens. Yep, all lands in the water, and because of Dipper's need to try to hide the fact that he was trick-or-treating uh, to see Wendy, it's all gone. Yep. They're all, and then they die, and uh, that's the season finale of Gravity Falls, episode 12, everyone. All right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, so now they're without all of the candy, and this is where we get, I think, what begins to be one of the coolest scenes in, like, the whole friggin' show. The, 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 the submarine trickster from the darkness walks down a dimly lit street on a hazy Halloween night. His fist creaks forward and it hinges and he says knock knock children it's one of the creepiest things i'll ever see in this show and there's a lot of creepy stuff to come in this show so this is this is saying something that this is a, a high standard of creep factor dude it's so unbelievably unnerving and then obviously they don't have the candy dip. It's like oh it's, it's all we'll just go get it real quick nope and then he does that the starts transforming and you th and when I saw this the first time, I did not think that we were going to get a transformation from this thing. I thought it was creepy enough on its own, and I did not expect to have, like, you know, oh, a mon the monster gets bigger moment. I did not expect that at all. But in fact, the monster gets bigger, and it looks kind of like, um, I think it was inspired by the No-Face character from uh, Spirited Away when it eats all this stuff, if you know what I'm talking about. What if I told you that there is canonical proof that it is directly based on Spirited Away? I would be completely unsurprised because it clearly was anyway. <laughs> Fair. Okay. In Journal <laughs> 3, 
we're getting ahead on insights. So Dipper writes down that this thing could morph its body just like Mr. Faceless from the anime movie, The Cranky Girl Who Did Chores in Spirit Town, which people <laughs> has watched over 82 times. Oh my god, that's so funny. That's so good. It's so good! It is like a direct The late Cranky reference. Girl Who Did Chores in Spirit Town. That's actually the plot of the movie. <laughs> Dude, no, Journal 3 delivered this episode between the Grenda thing and No Face. Oh my god, dude, that is uh, so funny. That is so funny. Oh, that's my favorite, actually. That's my favorite entry you've read so far. That's hilarious. That's so I really, I really love it. So, uh, anyway, uh, they actually seem to get away. Yeah, Seuss, Seuss drives through the trickster. So the trickster has all of them in his hands, and he's actually about to consume all of them. They are all about to die or be in the stomach along with that six-year-old we saw at the beginning of the episode. And Seuss drives through the trickster, and he, like, gets out of the car to get the kids, and he goes, Yo, please tell me that wasn't a, like, average pedestrian. <laughs> Seuss instantly worried about manslaughter. Fair, yeah. fair concern. Fair concern! And, well, the funny part is that he didn't know that it was, but he did what he did anyway. Which is either A, he's a bad driver, B, he's super awesome and saw that the kids were in trouble and was down to run over a pedestrian to save them, which is awesome. Or C, kind of just is, as it's a bad driver, I think it's A, I think it's A and C. <laughs> yeah, who, who knows? Maybe even a mixture of all three. So, but they, they drive away and they think they're okay. Not quite, because the trickster comes on back. So the car, as Seuss is driving, it bursts through the superstore, and they hide. Yeah, they hide in the superstore, which is such a cool thing, because I've never thought about what a Halloween store would be like after dark, but can you imagine being alone with a freaking horror monster in a Halloween store at night? That sounds freaking terrifying. Like, obviously, they don't make it too scary still, but, like, the concept... And the fact that this, if this was a horror movie, can you imagine somebody taking this exact plot line, doing it in live action and making it a horror movie? It would be freaking horrific. It would actually be really scary. Yeah, I think that's one of the best parts of this, right? Is because, yes, it's for younger audiences, but the concept is so strong that you could picture it being like that. Yeah, well, and I think that there's, there are a lot of, like, there's clearly a lot of Halloween love put into this and a lot of horror and sci-fi love, you know? So I, I think that that makes it ring really true as well. And, and why I'm thinking of all of these horror movie comparisons, because I'm like, oh, this is like a good slasher movie, like a good one, you know? Yeah. So actually, let's talk about this, because I was actually wondering, as we were watching through this, this is a Halloween episode of a cartoon, which were especially common during our era. I think are becoming maybe a little bit less common now. Ah, um, I know the answer to this question, actually. Okay. So the reason that I think this episode even exists in the first place, because if you notice, it's completely unplot related. There's no mention of anything overarching, right? Sure. Um, you could even call this a filler episode, technically. The thing is, if you remember, Disney Channel and Nickelodeon had us like, this is the summer time. This is the Halloween time. They would commission their shows to have a specific episode to match their theming. And any show would do it regardless of if they had a plot line. Um, there are probably a few shows that had exceptions like Avatar The Last Airbender. Like maybe they somehow found some way to write, you know, like if you remember one of the common themes from when we were growing up is beat the heat. 
Remember that one? And then a whole bunch sure. of shows had the plot line of it's hot, right? Yep. And and they all aired at the same time, you know? And it was because the networks were commissioning themed episodes. And I think that this was actually just one of those for Halloween. That's possible. And they would do it for Christmas too, which is also happening less. And I think part of that is um, if shows make them, they want to make a more non-denominational holiday to be more inclusive. Well, I think part of it also is if you're a streaming network... It all comes out at once. You can't really have a Christmas yes. episode because there's no region, there's no time that you're releasing it in accordance with anything. So it really doesn't make sense unless it makes sense for the plot of your episode, which more things need to have these days because of this format too. And that's the point that I was going to make is that streaming services don't really need holiday episodes because people watch them whenever, unless it's like an entirely spooky show that gets released around October, right? Yeah. But yeah, network TV would be able to rely on things like this. And they have these, like you said, episodes that don't need to include very much plot so that when Halloween came around, they could air like eight episodes in a row that are all Halloween themed from a bunch of different things. And I actually have always found that very fun. And part of the reason I hope that network TV doesn't completely die is I do really like getting holiday themed episodes and uh, episodes that are themed in different ways. Personally, I think it's great. You know, I I know what you mean, but media is always going to just change, you know, like we're never going to have a shortage of Halloween content to watch, you know, even, even if cable does die completely, you know, like there's still going to be some way that we can enjoy stuff like that. And I, and the reason I say that is because everybody falls in love with things that they grew up with and are nostalgic and defensive about it. And I don't want to be like that. Yeah, well, that's fair. And also, creators probably love making Halloween episodes because spooky episodes are fun to make. So I oh, don't yeah. think that they're ever going to go away, even in the streaming service side of things. Of course. Yeah, no, you're you're still going to have creepy episodes and creepy shows. And yeah, no. And I mean, I feel like the way that most people watch Halloween content in general now anyway, like, let's be honest, you, it would, I mean, you're not going to get sold on a new Halloween episode, probably, because you like the classics. You have your list already. You know, that's true. and that's probably where most people are at. Yeah, that's possible. Or uh, new kids will find what they love and then they'll be nostalgic for it in the future. Do kids have network TV? Yeah, I, like I mean, they... it's probably less. I, I, I mean, in general, network TV viewing uh, numbers are down like tremendously from when we were kids. So and that's just like par for the course. So I would say that it probably doesn't develop the kind of mass nostalgia that we would experience for certain things. And speaking of which quickly we don't want to get into like the weeds of it but what are some of your favorite halloween episodes of shows or cartoons from when you were younger oh man that that's so that's there's so many there's like actually so many while you're thinking about it i'm gonna shout out hey arnold because their exact specific halloween episode i thought was good but they had like 10 really creepy episodes that were really fun to watch around halloween and still are and that show they, they were edgy, they had some really fun ghost stories, it always had the character Gerald who would, like, say what the story was, and everybody's like, oh, it's just an urban myth, and then you would find out that it was kind of real. So yeah. good. Loved oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I was gonna say that one as well. One episode that I loved, well, that wasn't Halloween, but that was creepy, was of um, My Life as a Teenage Robot, when Jenny puts on the, like, human suit whoa that is a deep cut great choice super creepy episode that all grown up episode that was kind of creepy too with the ghost kid in the camping if you remember that one yeah man 
Yeah, no. I mean, I've got some weird choices because weird stuff stuck out to me. I mean, I'll also just, like, binge Invader Zim or Courage the Cowardly Dog and stuff like that, too. There's sure. a lot of more yeah, because I'll go to. Any of those would be good. I, I've got to give a special shout-out. DuckTales 2017, their season three, I think, has an amazing Halloween episode that is, oh, nice. in my opinion, the best of, like, the last five years that I can remember. Disney shorts. That's that's what I actually watched the most of was, like, the scary tale that's stuff. True, dude. That's my yeah, money because... one, dude. We've talked about this before, but Lucas and I, when we were kids, would go to a place called the Bear Creek Cabins in Colorado, and we would go to a blockbuster and rent this VHS tape of six Disney cartoons. It was called Scary Tales, and we would be able to get this tape pretty much any time we went to Blockbuster. So us and our family would watch it kind of like every Halloween. Even when we weren't in the cabins, we would still do it, and we both have such fond memories from that specific collection of cartoons. We could watch them any time. Yeah, yeah. So, so those are some of my favorites other than movies i think those are some ones i go back to there's some creepy episodes of like recess and stuff that i remember too there's so much so many good things and as i asked that question i wanted to lead into like where does this gravity falls halloween episode kind of sit on the pantheon of halloween specific cartoons as far as ones that you could just jump in and watch like how high is it on your list a tier list if you will this might sound really dumb and i'm okay with that and and i i'm actually maybe even think it is I, i might even disagree with myself in saying this paradoxically but just the fact that this actually takes place over the summer makes me not add it to my list at all oh you almost you're saying it doesn't count yeah i'm yeah honestly it's summer ween it's not halloween okay that's very interesting i do not have that kind of stipulation on it and i think it ranges like in the like on a scale of one to five it sits on like a four for me i don't think it's in like the best ever but I think it's a very strong episode that I will watch many Halloweens. And part of the reason is just the design of the trickster. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe I would. Maybe I would. I guess technically by that logic, it's low on my list. But I, I would maybe still watch it. I mean, I'm sure if you put it on, I'd watch it with you if we were hanging out. So. Yeah. Oh, sure. Halloween is Grinch Night. I, I shout out that one. That's one of my favorites. I yeah, we watched that on our YouTube channel. I didn't like it as much as Lucas, but I do think that the one wild, like, four-minute trippy sequence is something unreal that I've never seen in animation. It's so. all about the build. It's all about the 40 minutes of build-up going up to it. The silly, sure. well, stupid let's... Dr. Seussy build-up. <laughs> oh, did somebody say Dr. Seuss? Oh, that transition, though! Speaking of the hero of the story... That's right. Well, he was the hero of the story, except that Suze can't help himself from going back to the same candy bowl that he did in the cold open of the episode, because he says, sorry, man, or sorry, dudes, the day has been way stressful, and I need some levity. And the funniest thing about that is that he is a focus of levity as his character, so the fact that he would just outright say, hey, man, I was stressed, I need levity, that's my thing. Super funny. Great joke. And then, obviously, the trickster finds them, and he catches all of them again, and um, I don't know how to transition into this, so I'm just going to say it. Seuss, yes, do it. Seuss eats him. He eats the guy. He puts his... So we find out that he's made of candy. I think that that might have been an important clarification first. We find out that the yeah. trickster is completely made of candy. Loser, Loser candy, candy, specifically. And you know what time it is! It is time for a Lucas Hester rant. Take it away. This monster is clinically depressed because he's made up of all of the candy that people have thrown away and they've deemed loser candy, right? He literally cries candy corn, which if you've been listening, you would know is one of my favorite of the candies. 
And he's like, all of this candy got thrown away and nobody loves me. And But Seuss was eating him. Anyway, so I'll get to what happens with the plotline of the show. But the first part of what this is, loser candy. I want to talk about loser candy and this concept of candy that's not as good. You know what kind candy that's not as good at is? It's generic store brand candy. And you know why people don't like it as much? It's because of marketing. It's because you think that if you blind taste tested a Twix bar and a generic brand, you wouldn't even notice the difference. But because it comes in a pretty little wrapper, you deem one half loser candy and the other half good. And you know what? It's dumb because it's just freaking sugar. It's all sugar. That's all all of it is in different forms. And the fact that you would deem some of it worse, it's a class thing. And that's all it is. It's classist bullshit. And I hate it. Okay, but Tootsie Rolls suck so bad. Tootsie Rolls are good. Tootsie Rolls are not good, and they're always at the bottom, and so are Smarties. Well, literally all candy is good. I disagree with that so much. To somebody, all it's all sugar. It's all candy's good. Okay, to some people, but, like, the ones that are at the bottom are the stuff that, to your point, are you, the ones like at the, not, the, not store brand. No, the ones at the bottom arguing with you, but. are the ones that are literally smaller and fall. That's how they fall to and, the bottom. Okay, but like there's some that are genuinely gross. And I'm talking name brands like Tootsie Roll and Smarties. I, I, I don't hate Smarties, but they end up at the bottom. I mean, I don't like Smarties. I don't like sweet stuff. I I, I actually like Tootsie Rolls. I would eat those. Those were good. I mean, I don't it's eat any of it. Your, I mean, now sweet. it's bad for you to eat anything that's freaking dairy because you're supporting an industry that's destroying the planet i know nobody cares i don't care either i don't care what you do i don't i don't think that we can save it for the for what it's worth i don't think i i just do it because i care i i like my personal ethical consistency i like the planet and i don't want to with it you know that's just how i feel i don't really care what anyone does we're screwed anyway but if you care about what you believe in you probably should stop so there's that end of rant awesome thank you um we just lost so many <laughs> followers no, we didn't, dude. People love that. Uh, I loved that. Thank you for uh, people hate going ethics. Your rant. No one wants to think about what the choices they make are. Come on. No, but people, but people love a good rant, whether they agree or not. No, well, it's I, only I if they back. agree. It's only back. if they agree. This is or a miracle. Well, okay, that's not true. Or if it's funny, and if it's it. something that is about, it's not that serious, like candy. That's a good point. Uh, oh, or, or you know, the destruction of the planet. Super levity, light-hearted topics. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair. Fair. <laughs> so anyway, Seuss kills the thing by eating it, and Gordy pops out, and he just says, "I've been traumatized." Oh, which is the quote of the episode? It really is. Uh, just I, like I was says, traumatized as says, a child, as a child with those stupid phone videos that that random kid walked <laughs> up to me and tried to scare the shit out of me. Ah, <sighs> <laughs> sorry, I had to circle my rant back one more time. Oh my god, dude. We are we are just awful today. Um, you know what's funny is in the midst of our rants, we also skipped right over the moral because we are just not in that headspace. Oh, yeah, whatsoever. the moral that Grunkle Stan concludes at the end. You know what really matters isn't trick-or-treating or these big monsters. It's getting together with your family and celebrating pure evil. I ate a man alive tonight. Okay, that's actually the quote of the episode from Seuss. At the very end, after that whole scene that I just said, yeah, that was it. We just read it. That was it. 
and there's a big silence and I ate a man alive tonight. Yeah. Yep. And then we get the Waddles montage. And then we get, and it's great. Yeah, it's Waddles in the suit taking pictures. It's very cute. Lots of memes. Um, believe it or not, I guess that was the moral, but I was talking more about how uh, Dipper and Mabel uh, sort of had this understanding where Dipper is like, oh, yeah, you know, right. I just feel like we're getting too old for it. And Mabel is like, well, that's my problem, Dipper. Like, I don't know how many more Halloweens we have left. And I felt like that was honestly a very relatable, nostalgic moment. You know, I think it's relatable to feel like that, but I also feel like in retrospect, it's kind of a dumb thing to worry about, you know? I get dressed up, uh, you know what I did on Halloween last year? What? I dressed up as a Grim Reaper, and I rolled around on roller skates in downtown Bend. (laughs) So you were the Grim Roller. Hey! Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I mean, just do whatever you want. Just have a good time. Like, why Why does getting older mean you can't have fun anymore? That's stupid. I understand why you can't trick-or-treat. That, that's that's a social reality, you know? Like, I can't go trick-or-treating without kids. People think I'm a creep, you know? And that that's, that's just, that is an unfortunate social reality. I mean, trick-or-treating is dying in general, for what it's worth. I yeah, think that, true. you know, as people get less trusting, I... I don't know, maybe some neighborhoods it's still very normal, but everywhere that I've been, I never get trick-or-treaters anymore. Oh, like really? a very well, I, got tr- I got trick-or-treaters last year. Like lots? Uh, I mean, I try not to be home on Halloween because I'm always doing something fun, so I don't really know. Fair enough. I mean, we usually will get like one or two, but it's kind of rare, even like when I lived in the house. So, um, hmm. I don't know. I, I guess it depends on where you are somewhat, but... I guess with how people um, consume media these days, they wouldn't want their kids to do anything. Jesus, man, I'm I'm sassy today. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, well, listen, but I get your point too, as far as the trigger trading goes. But I actually think that Mabel's point is symbolic of something bigger, which is just the feeling of growing up and feeling like some of the things that you love you are leaving behind with age. And I think that's yeah. relatable. Even if I agree with you that we should try to leave some of these constructs behind and still be able to have fun as adults, I think that just the general idea of fun is something that a lot of adults just leave behind, and yeah. it's time to stop doing that. Yeah, I mean, there are things that you got to leave behind, too, though. Yeah. You know, and that, that's that's a true thing. Not that, like, you have to, like, oh, you need to grow up, we're forcing you to, but just, like, you end up doing it. You know, it's just not, it's a natural thing, like losing your teeth. You know, you don't get attached. Sure. If you, some, some people keep their baby teeth forever, and that's fine. But, like, you know, I you don't, don't have so to. You don't, I mean, do, do whatever you want, but, like, <clears throat> I don't know. I think that learning to cope with change and learning to accept you know, the future as it's unfolding is an important thing for people to learn. And I think that it hammers that down in a very, you know, for kids digestible way. Dang. I gotta say, maybe my favorite episode discussion that we've had from top to bottom, as far as like everything that we got into. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I guess this this has been a pretty tight episode. Yeah. Don't have no idea whether uh, audience felt the same way, but I I really enjoyed that talk. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. We, we, We listen back to it. There's no order. We can't even tell what's going on. Lucas, who gets your mystery plaque points? All right, so I had a freaking really hard time deciding this. This is one of the only times that the guest character I've considered giving points. I thought about straight up just giving two points to the trickster. I did. I thought Guess about who it. who did it? You gave two to the trickster? Yeah, dude, I'm sorry. I'm giving my points to the character of the episode. I don't care if they remain or not. That's just how I play it. No, I mean, I, I think that you're right. Uh, that wasn't the issue for me. The issue for me was that I wanted both Seuss and uh, Grunkle Stan to have points. That makes sense. And I, 
I mean, I'm still giving points to the trickster. I have to. I have to give points to the trickster. They make the episode. Oh, wow. Like, so you're, you, you still gave them your runner-up? Yeah, I have. I gave the trickster the runner-up points. And so deciding between Seuss or Grunkle Stan was the hardest. Who do you think I went with? I think you went with Stan. Why? Because he was so funny in the episode and also like a very awesome product of his time with the Bella Lugosi costume and everything. And that's how I would want to spend my Halloween when I get older. I love that. Okay. And it's a personal reason. I, I Seuss was so the star. If this was like, I, I like the fact that I'm not giving Seuss points almost hurts me, but mm-hmm. I had to go with the Halloween points for this. So I had to go with two for Stan, one for the trickster. Okay, yeah, I like the idea of doing it in the Halloween spirit, even though you won't acknowledge this as a Halloween episode. Um, hey man, TBH though, Grunkle Stan had the best costume. Let's be honest, right? It was old school and classic. And I, I actually, even despite that, I do think it was probably the best in hindsight, yeah. But don't worry, Lucas, if it makes you feel vindicated, I gave my backup point to Seuss because he was the star of the episode, like Thank you God. said. Thank God you gave it to Seuss. I feel a little better. I do feel vindicated. So that means the trickster got three points total. Grunkle Stan got two and Seuss got one. And I think that feels pretty good. That feels like, good. I was... think the trickster has been the coolest like monster character, like creature that we've actually seen in the show so far. Sure. And I gave two to the ghosts uh, back a few episodes ago. Yeah. And I, I still like the trickster more overall, even though, oh, but the ghost did so many cool things. That'd be, you know, we could power rank at the very end, maybe the, uh, not villains. Oh, maybe that villains. sounds Creatures. like fun. We could stream yeah. it. We could rank every Gravity Falls. Uh, yeah, rank every Gravity Falls villain creature. I whatever mean, we did. We could rank a lot of things, to be honest. But yeah, I think that there is a, a, some fun to be had there for sure. So, so what are we doing in the book for this one? So, uh, this was a hard one for me because I'm like, what would be the right type of thing to throw in there for the trickster? Um, oh, you know, last week. We had nothing because, and I was thankful that we had Felipe on as a guest and he was able to bring an awesome thing that was very fun. Mushrooms. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We we never technically rated it and I'm glad. Um, (laughs) And don't try now. Uh, I'm actually thrilled with what I came up with for this one. Have you heard of the bunny man? You know, I was so sure that we were about to go with the boogeyman for this, and uh, you really threw me a curveball, bro. That was it was so close to what I expected, but just not that it, it was hilarious. You you were oh you were God, like you, so every funny. syllable was there. <laughs> that's so true. Um, no, not the boogeyman. The so funny no, man. I have not. Is it? I have. I can probably guess what it is. I have a theory, right? I'm so on brand with myself that the idea of the boogeyman never even remotely crossed my mind, but the bunny man did. Um, so, uh, the bunny man is allegedly a maniac dressed in a bunny suit who attacks people under a Northern Virginia bridge around Halloween. Jesus Christ! Why would you- we shouldn't tell people about that! Sorry, I should have warned people already. Um, this is kind of a scary one, so if you're not into that, you might want to skip ahead. Ooh, oh my god! Too late, too late. There's too many uh, psycho listen. killers. Wait, I have a good one, though, that, that also would work. I'm okay, well, listen. I'm hijack it. I am willing to let you talk about yours, too, but it's very important to me that we talk a little bit about the bunny man. Okay. Because 
it's more like an urban legend, but it originated with two people legitimately calling the police about somebody who they said was dressed in a bunny suit that, like, attacked their car. Um, and after the stories came out, like, 50 more people called the police to report it around the similar time period. So oh my like, god, I gotta look this up, dude. I uh, Part of me thinks somebody was trolling, like... Like, some, like, just high school, like, it didn't even happen. Like, a bunch of high schoolers just make fake, fake reports, just to be funny. Yeah, you, you you might say a troll under the bridge. We're uh, so good today! We're so good! Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I would say, I would say that joke wasn't very bunny. Oh. <laughs> I love it! I love it! It's so good! It's so I'm actually good. looking this up, though. What is it called? Bunny Man? Yes, but I can tell you some details. You don't even need to look it up. So, the campfire story of the Bunny Man features a few details that remain consistent throughout most versions. Because there's a lot of, like, he said, she said. A lot of, like, random things that get thrown into, like, you know, weird urban legend stuff. But the stuff that's the most consistent is that around this time, there was a breakout of prisoners from a Virginia insane asylum. One of the prisoners is said to have attacked people near the Colchester Road Bridge in Clifton, Virginia, with either a hatchet or an axe. The attacks are said to have happened at the stroke of midnight on Halloween at the Colchester Road Bridge, which is now known even to Google Maps as Bunny Man Bridge. <laughs> and the bunny, the bunny element is commonly related to the suspect wearing a bunny costume, either a fake bunny suit or actual rabbit pelts, depending on the storyteller. Cool. There is actually speculation that the rabbit in Donnie Darko was inspired by uh, the Bunny Man. And Ooh. there's like a 2011 horror film that was based on this character as well. I did see that when I looked it up. That was what I noticed. That's funny. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, and for what it's worth, I'm going to give this a fairly high score because... Well, okay. So what I want to rate is the idea that there was ever a person in some kind of a bunny suit that attacked people under this bridge... And I think the bunny suit element is where I'm the most unsure. I think something happened because people, like, filed a real police report. Um, Dude, I'd be but, willing to bet you know, that people have, like, done that since then just because of the story. Sure. And, I mean, there's fake rumors about, like, people having died there. I believe that there is absolutely no substance to those whatsoever. But yeah. the idea that somebody could have been there in a bunny suit at some time, I feel like that's fairly plausible compared to some of the other things. So I think I gotta give that an 8. I mean, it was 1970 that that happened. Yeah, Bunny it's a suit. long time ago now. I mean, that seems like something that wouldn't even be newsworthy now. <laughs> That's actually really funny. Well, do you remember when there were, like, <laughs> some instances of people just, like, dressing up in scary clown suits and, like, just standing yeah, in weird places exactly. and people? And they needed at least multiple people to do it. One wouldn't have even made the freaking newspaper, let alone a front-page well, headline. Jeez. And it was happening until, like, one of them got shot at, and then uh, everybody stopped doing it. Because they realized, oh yeah, if you oh, are yeah, standing there trying to scare idea. people like a maniac, you could get yourself killed. Uh, we also had the Tide so, Pod Challenge. Like, we can't give Americans that much credit, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> um, I don't know. What, what score do you think for the Bunny Man? <laughs> I mean, for, I'm, I'd give it, like, a 9. I, I'd say it's more likely to happen nowadays than then, to be honest. So like, maybe I'll give it a, an 8. Wow. I feel like if well, you told me that that happened last weekend, I'd say I'd believe you 100%. Here's the thing, though. There's, like, a, apparently a heavy police presence around the bridge on Halloween now because of the possibility of anybody trying to do something like that. Wow, it's almost like the media should stop glamorizing murderers because people try to do the same thing over again. Oh, look at that. Or, wow. um, you know, just folk tales. Sure.
That's not a folk tale. <laughs> 1970 is not a folk tale. You're right. It is just like flat out manic. Um, <laughs> do you still want to hijack this? Is there something that's like really on the tip of your tongue that you're dying to add to the uh, journal? We can have. Oh both. yeah, no, no, we got to do this. It's Jack, okay. dude. Jack, like the literal spirit of Halloween. Oh, that's fun. Come on, bro, Jack. Like in Billy and the Billy Billy and Mandy Halloween episode is another phenomenal one that I love so much to revisit. Yeah, dude, Jack. Sure. Like Jack O'Lantern, the Jack Jack man, the spirit. Still, of Halloween. Okay, the reason. The reason I never went there is because I generally add things to the journal where we can kind of rank them because there have been, like, sightings or some people say that they're a real thing. Uh, but I have some logic. Oh, all right. Well, I was going to say, we don't have to limit ourselves to that, though. I think that sometimes, like, Felipe brought Kuka last week, which, by the way, you forgot to rate. Give me a very quick rating so I can add to the spreadsheet. Uh, what was it again? It was the crocodile drag queen oh i like the idea of it so i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten terrific okay go ahead with your current one with jack yeah i think drag crocodile drag queen it, I, it would make more sense if it was in florida to me but uh yeah we'll, 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 we'll digress um yeah you're fine <laughs> uh yeah dude the spirit of halloween like it would be an alligator so let me ask you something alec Yes. Let's talk about Santa Claus. Oh, okay. We're going to get to that in a future episode. I know probably. we will. Okay, but so so we will then. So that means that one's worth talking about. So why is the spirit of Halloween different from Santa Claus? Um, For a lot of reasons. Uh, I would say that on this podcast, we, of course, consider Santa Claus to be an existing creature. So I couldn't possibly sit here and say that for sure the spirit of Halloween couldn't be. Uh, well, no, but the point, the reason I bring, the, the thing is, that's a relevant point, because the thing is, if you're going to argue that Santa Claus is real by, like, the, you know, spirit of believing in him, making him exist, there's no reason you can't say that for the spirit of Halloween, right? 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 Uh, I mean, I guess so. It's just that I think that there is a very heavy belief in Santa Claus. I have not, like, I, is it a, re a real thing where some people say that they... Have either seen or believe in the spirit of Halloween? I mean, I don't know. The thing is, like, it gets a little... To me, when we're talking about, like, a something like this being real, right? If you're gonna... Yeah. If, if we're talking about Santa Claus and people saying that they've had experiences seeing Santa Claus, you know, what you're... What, what you could make a case for is that somebody is seeing a metaphysical spirit that they don't know the identity of and they are signing it to Santa Claus because they recognize it. There's probably oh, not a lot of confirmation that it was actually Santa Claus, you know, in the sense of what they think it is. Yeah. So if you if you're on Halloween and you see something go bump in the night, Jack, you can call it that even if it's something else, even if but it might come from Halloween for some reason. Point is, it's metaphysical speculation in terms of like a dimension of beings that could exist that we don't know very much about, which to me makes it plausible. Okay, I actually really love how you presented that. Because uh, you can make the, the same case for Easter Bunny, you know, all those things. Yeah. Okay, I like the idea of the spirit of Halloween still being on the Pantheon with the Easter Bunnies and Santa Clauses of the world, even though I'm not as familiar with him or her. Um, so, the fact that I didn't know about it until you presented it, I, you know, I can't give it like a super high score, but I'm willing to like bring it up to a seven just on the logic that you presented me, considering... What I believe to be true about Santa Claus, of course. Hello again. 
It's been quite a few days. I'm fairly certain that I'm safe. That doesn't mean that this next riddle is any easier. It reads, Choices, choices. What do you choose? Switch one with two or three. The decision's up to you. What does that mean? The decision's up to you? Maybe there's something with one of the earlier clues that will help you decide. Either way, I'm still counting on you. All right, dude. Well, the Bunny Man and Jack in Journal 4. It's done. Oh, do you want to give a rating to Jack before we close out? Um, I'm going to say... Did I rate the Bunny Man? I said I guess I'd give Bunny Man an 8 out of 10, just realistically speaking. Um, And I feel like... I couldn't give Jack an 8 out of 10 after giving something so likely to have existed an 8. So I think I'm going to give Jack a 7 as much as there's a part of me that wants to give him more because of like reasonable doubt. But uh, it's not not enough conviction for me to be certain. So I'll say 7. Sure. As much as I've, already I love lost, I've already lost track of what we already said, but I think there's a chance we actually rated both the same way. I'll listen back and confirm it, but it's possible. Um, okay. Cool. All right, man. Uh, well, let's finish with this week. Cypher. Um, if you care, skip ahead 30 seconds or probably stop here because the plugs are next. Um, but uh, once translated, it reads, Don't tell people that. Lucas is going to tell a... I'm going to tell a joke at the end now just for that. Now you all have to wait. Good, okay. Once translated, the cipher reads, Brought to you by Homework the Candy. So I guess Homework the Candy is one of the brands of candy in the Mystery Shack's bowl of loser candy from the beginning of the episode. So I think that's a very funny name for candy. Would you eat homework the candy? No, no. No, that's terrible. Terrible marketing. No candies. It's all name. It's it's generic brand. That's what they're, what they're making jokes about. It's generic brand right. capitalism. Well, everyone, this has been a ride and a half. One of my favorite recordings we've had to date. Can I say that? Can I be, be like self-pat on the back for a, for a great one? Cause, just because we had fun doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, I was like, we at least had a good time. I don't know what the aesthetic quality of it is necessarily, but uh, I, I, I'm going to pat myself on the back for having a good day. <laughs> sure, behind the scenes recording, I, I, we could let people know this. We almost just lost this recording and resumed about two minutes ago after thinking that we might have lost Lucas's entire section. So thank goodness that that is not the case. Um, yeah. <laughs> see, oh, aren't you glad you stuck around and uh, didn't skip after I gave you the opportunity? I still um, have a joke. Okay, save it for after. This I podcast am. is Okay, good, good. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network, which is run by Felipe, who you met last week. Also has many rewatches of shows and movies on their feed and the Dragon Babies feed where our podcast exists as well. And you can watch Lucas and I on YouTube on Hester, or at Hester Brothers Cartoon Theater and follow us on social media or check out our Discord to get involved in the animation discussion. Thank you to Tessa Scarborough for the amazing illustration and the mysterious woman, Anna LaFleur. We will see you all next week, and happy sleuthing. What do you call Chewbacca when he has chocolate in his fur? What? A chocolate chip Wookiee. <laughs>